This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Tree Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, the big news over the weekend the federal constitution is going to be amended to allow automatic citizenship to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers. So first, we'll be speaking to Suri Kemper, who's led the charge on this, about the landmark decision and how it will affect families. And then we hear about the direct impact of this from a Malaysian mother. So tell us, how are you feeling about this decision? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, on Friday night, the Cabinet announced that uh, they had agreed to amend the federal constitution to enable automatic Malaysian citizenship to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers. This was uh, made in a joint statement by the Minister in the Prime Minister's Department of Law and Institutional Reform, Datuk Sri Azalina Uthman Syed, and Home Minister Datuk Sri Saifuddin Nasution Ismail. So they said that the amendment is expected to be tabled in this current sitting of the Day One Rakyat after fulfilling legal legal requirements. Now, if we look at what that amendment involves, just briefly, uh, at the moment, children born overseas to Malaysian mothers are not automatically entitled to becoming Malaysian citizens because the federal constitution only provides for citizenship through fathers. So this proposed amendment... Um, essentially involves changing the term father to the term at least one of the parents. And this would then allow Malaysian mothers to get their parental rights according to the constitution. As you said, long-awaited and also... um, What's the word for something that honestly should have been implemented so much earlier? So, okay, uh, before we get to feelings, because I have a lot of feelings on this, as I think many people do. Uh, It's worth going back to uh, 2021, September 2021, where the Kuala Lumpur High Court said that the government must grant citizenship to children uh, born abroad to Malaysian women, as the word father in the second schedule of the constitution must mean and include mothers. Um, This, of course, was at the time greeted with a fair amount of relief. Um, You know, people were were excited for this to change. But then subsequently, uh, almost a year later, uh, an appellate court ruled that children born overseas to Malaysian mothers were not entitled to automatic citizenship. So we were back where we began uh, because... Because in a 2-1 judgment in favour of the government, the court ruled that children... that the word father in Article 14.1b of the Federal Constitution and its related provisions in the second schedule is, and I quote, clear and and unambiguous and therefore cannot be construed to include mothers. And while this was disappointing at the time, I think it's also kind of clear that if you look at the language, um, it is difficult to argue, aside from for logic's sake, right? Um, For logic's sake, for modernity's sake, it's hard to argue that father means mother. Um, And so I think this is now kind of the the next stage in that and the moment where it finally officially becomes instated. So I think if you're wondering why this is such a big deal, besides the fact that you get to call yourself a Malaysian, it's because it actually impacts so many aspects of a child and a family's life, right? Um, 
whether the fact that they can go to school here, to public school, healthcare, um, the healthcare social welfare programs, the fact that they can remain here freely in some cases, because uh, in some cases they will, uh, will have to constantly reapply for the right to stay in Malaysia. So there are numerous reasons why this is really important and why the, the people involved in this, largely many of the mothers themselves, have been pushing for this for so long. So I I was only going to say that while we were revisiting this, um, I I felt just such as I felt over the years about this anger, um, partly because the rhetoric on it politically has been very muddy. Um, There's been this kind of push. uh, There's been sort of outright, in some ways, sexism on the subject. Um, Words like security threats have been thrown around in the past. And so for me, the fact that this is happening and that it's happening in a clear and hopefully unambiguous way, we'll know more once it's actually been been tabled, um, is just just such a wonderful thing. So we're going to be speaking after this with Suri Kemper, who's the president of Family Frontiers. She was on uh, this morning as well, though we're planning to extend the conversation in different directions. And in the meantime, we're asking you... How are you feeling about this decision? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing female ministers. BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. It is 6.13 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about the Cabinet agreeing to amend the federal constitution to enable automatic Malaysian citizenship to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers, a um, a right that was previously only for Malaysian fathers. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. How are you feeling about this decision? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we are welcoming back to the show now Suri Kemper, President of Family Frontiers. Suri, good to have you with us again. It's good to be back. So the last few times we've spoken to you, um, so many of our conversations have actually been about how mothers and their children have been through so much because of the inequality of the legislation as it currently stands. So how are you feeling now that this decision has been announced by the cabinet? Well, I mean, certainly was not expected, right? Over the weekend, how exciting. Uh, So, (laughs) I mean, I am encouraged by the Cabinet's decision and I welcome it, of course. Um, And I really, I guess, want to congratulate the Cabinet for moving on this so quickly and for responding to the concerns of Malaysians and in particular, of course, the uh, needs of Malaysian mothers and their children who have been dealing with this you know, issue for years, right? It's really an acknowledgement of their struggles and a signal that the government uh, wants to rectify this past discrimination or, well, this still existing discrimination (laughs) and that the government can, in fact, bring about change quickly when there is political will. Now, just briefly, um, and just so that we all have this clear, we ran through some of the reasons why automatic citizenship is important. But if you could talk to us about what this actually means in terms of the daily lives of these families. Yeah, uh, I guess first and foremost, you know, um, is that the children would not need to be here on visas. And that means no more running around up and down to the nearest immigration office to submit visa applications every three months or six months or or a year, you know, and that's for every single child that you have to do this for. 
Um, you know, and then of course, there are the costs that are in, involved with that, you know, and it's not just the visa costs, you know, that you make payments for, but also the cost of missing work, missing school, hiring alternative childcare arrangements each and every time you make that trip down to see immigration officers and to see, you know, to go to um, uh, National Registration Department. So, so that's that's a big one because it's a big you know it might seem trivial but it eats up a lot of time and it's just a lot of running around and so that's definitely the first thing to go um in terms of um accessing uh you know healthcare and education well first of all they won't be charged non citizen rates right the children will be able to access um medications um long term healthcare services at citizen rates they'll be able for in terms of education they'll be able to start school on the first day of school because they will have been allocated a spot in class along with all their other classmates they'll be equals um you know and that's 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 really important uh right there um because because as you know and i think i've mentioned this in past interviews too that children who are non citizens you know on average miss about 2 months of school um and in total end up missing about um two and a half years of schooling right because of all the delays in getting them into classes so there's that they'll be able to represent their schools in sports and whatever activities as we know a lot of children do um and then of course we have um i think also importantly is the effect that this will have on the everyday lives of moms on mothers you know we like we have mothers who have felt trapped in uh, into staying abroad because their children are non-citizens and they can finally come home and bring their children back because they're assured that their children will be treated as equals as citizens and be welcoming to their children and so it'll be an uh, you know an exit uh, route a possible exit route for mothers who felt trapped in in say toxic marriages or really difficult circumstances abroad and that's just i mean for me at that the very least the most immediate um changes that will happen in their lives when this takes place so in the family frontier statement you said we are now waiting with bated breath for the amendments to be tabled in parliament only once the amendment passes can we breathe out in relief what do you think the challenges will be for this amendment to be tabled and passed well um getting it tabled first and foremost will be a challenge and making sure it's done in this session you know at this stage it is a promise um by the government um and and you know we've still yet to see this happen i mean promises are great and and I'm very encouraged by it but I but I really you know it's only going to be real to me when when you know that two thirds majority votes for it and the amendment passes in parliament then you know then we could talk <laughs> so so really that's I think for me the thing and of course um you know it'll mean they've promised um that it'll be tabled in this session so again fingers crossed because that would mean we're looking at something happening um by the end of march and you know that's only a month and a half so we'll see especially with the budget taking up you know a priority in parliament debates at the moment and then of course there's the two thirds majority vote i mean we have faith in in like you know the mps who've promised support and of course there's the promises they've made each party has made in their election manifestos the strongest coming from um the ruling coalition pakatan harapan and bn 
Um, and we've also had really strong support from MPs such as uh, YB Mas Ermianti from Bersatu, you know, so, and, you know, really based on her statement in parliament today, uh, we hope that the opposition, Bersatu and PAS, will be also voting in support of the amendment. And of course, then finally, there's the approval from the Council of Rulers, which will be key in making sure this goes, um, this proceeds without a hitch. So once all of that happens, then the next step will be dealing with the bureaucratic process and making sure that the issuance of certif uh, citizenship certificates is done quickly, smoothly, you know, because at the end of the day, all of the changes I spoke about earlier will only take effect when the children are issued their citizenship documents. So, you know, I mean, I know like cabinets issued its decision, but none of that can really um, get going without uh, without the citizenship documents in hand. So on that point about the bureaucracy, uh, you did mention earlier this morning that you expected the bureaucratic hurdles to continue. What would be the most conducive way to implement this amendment so that the challenges of the mothers can be mitigated as much as possible? Well, I mean, based on our experience with how um, uh, the Home Affairs Ministry and the National Registration Department rolled out the process previously after we won at the High Court in September 2021. You know, one of the key things is really making, issuing that instruction, being clear about what kind of documents need to be submitted, where, when, how, you know, and how quickly that turnaround is. At the end of the day, I think nobody wants to submit their um, documents only to have to wait for another year, right? So you, I think to really have clarity of the process and how long it will take to issue these things and to make sure, you know, that it doesn't get, um, there are no hitches, especially in terms of like, say, printer, printing, uh, printing failures or something like that, right? That's what happened last time. Um, you know, so so really being clear about that process, communicating that, uh, not just um, within the National Registration Department, but with, within the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and to all the consulates, how, what kind of documents they are to accept. So that I think that's going to be really crucial. And of course, um, I think the NRD and, and the consulates have had a taste of that when it happened in September 2021. Um, but, you know, now it's going to be at a much bigger scale, presumably. Speaking of 2021, uh, at the time six children were able to become citizens, how have you seen their citizenship uh, change their lives and how are you anticipating this amendment to change the lives of so many more? Ooh. Well, you know, um, one mum, you know, whose um, second and third children are non-citizens because she lives and works in Thailand, had problems coming in, coming back to visit her parents and family, especially during COVID where, you know, non-citizens weren't allowed at all into the country. And so, you know, her parents are now able to say it's a reuniting of families, right? A, a bridging of, 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 um, of families that have previously been split apart by, I think, a really arbitrary boundary. Um, and so being able to be reunited with, with grandchildren and parents and making sure that you can bring your children back when you travel back to Malaysia, back and forth, you know, you can bring your children along with you. You don't need to make sure they have visas or that they're allowed into the country or you get stuck at immigration and you're told one child has to leave. So I think one of the, you know, that's like one of those things. Um, we have another mother and her daughter said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Malaysian now, mommy, uh, just like you and my brother. And I think like that speaks to 
the equality, you know, like she's an equal and she sees herself as an equal. And I think in the growth of a child, in the psyche and development of a child, that really means a lot. And I think that like to have themselves walk around and, and believe that they belong, not just uh, not just because they share language and share culture, but also because they legitimately, legally have status to belong here is really important. So, yeah, so I've seen that happen with children and, you know, they've, they develop they become so they become whole and that I think for me is is really important and I want that for all the mothers and children who are going through these issues yeah so you've mentioned that these uh that these mothers don't move overseas because they are clinging to the hope that their children will receive citizenship could you expand on this why do they want to uh, why do they want their children to be malaysian why have they continued fighting for that right instead of potentially just living elsewhere yeah i mean it's it's a good question right and it's a question that we always get asked that mothers always get asked to especially you know online we're like i said you know why don't you just stay stay abroad or move away or something and and it's like it actually boils down to quite a simple but profound answer it's because malaysia is and always will be home right like the mothers have family here and they want to raise their children here with malaysian values malaysian culture malaysian food as maybe um cliche as that sounds surrounded by people they know and love and and you want your children to learn and love the culture you grew up in right and importantly too i think on very practical terms you you need a support network right like they say it takes a village to raise a child and that's exactly what you have with with a support network with an extended support network around you in a country like when you're alone it it you're really isolated uh you know and you deal with um the the stress of being a minority in a different country different language possibly dealing with living under different laws and then you have children and you know you're dealing with all of that so i mean at the end of the day at the end of the day moving abroad might serve a particular purpose uh for that particular time like you know getting learning or work experience and building up your profile as as a as a, an employee but at the end of the day uh, i mean myself my sister so many people i know working professionals you know want to come back and contribute to the country we have so much to give back and our children want to give back too and we just want to be able to be given that like opportunity i wanted to build on that story you told earlier about you know, a child finally feeling equal or finally feeling like they belong. And um, I guess extend that to look at how this legislation, uh, what we have in place, not what's hopefully to come, has affected the place of women in our society and how we value women, you know, symbolically and physically and how hopefully that will change. I think think the symbolic, um, aside from the physical, which we've spoken about this, it's symbolically quite huge because what it does is you know it acknowledges women as equal citizens that women are of equal worth and equal value and that our children have just as much a right to be malaysian as the children of malaysian men we that we have an equal right to live here with dignity and that we women and our children our descendants belong here right which is and i think that's quite profound um uh, because really, it, that's where it starts, right? We have to have legal equality in that sense, and and it's it's one of those things that 
I don't think I, I can express how meaningful that would be to so many women. Now, with this coming from a new government, how do you feel about the prospects of working together with them in bringing about meaningful change? Well, I think we're always hopeful um, of working together with government. I think it's really important. I mean, after all, change only becomes meaningful when we can share ownership of that change, right? That's when it becomes sustainable and that's when it becomes long lasting because change isn't just legislative change. You don't change a law and then everything else, you know, falls into place, but it's about, it's a gradual process too of changing hearts and minds. Like when we first rolled out or, you know, worked on this uh, issue and, and filed the lawsuit, I mean, like filed the case in, in at the high court, you know, barely anyone knew that this inequality existed. And a a lot of the work over the last two years has really been about um, educating the public and building public support around this issue. And I think it's really because of that public outcry that the government can no longer ignore uh, the impact. And I think a lot of them agree with us, right? Like, and, and so, so really, for me, that's what meaningful change means. And, and, um, and yes, we're absolutely looking forward. We have very strong hopes of working together with government in order to bring about that meaningful change. And as we wait for the amendment to be passed, what can members of the public do to show our support? Well, uh, like I said, you know, earlier, it's not a done deal right now. Um, and so really continue to voice out support, you know, um, to put keep that pressure on um, because... Because we don't want it to be a case of an announcement that just kind of fizzles away if nothing happens. And so really, you know, we want to keep that pressure on, keep voicing out support. I feel like we're at we're so close to the finish line. We're so close to to making sure that women have this equal right to confer citizenship to their children, that that it's just, you know, it's a grasp away. And, and really, the important thing is to keep our foot to the pedal right now. Suri, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks again for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you both. That was Suri Kemper, president of Family Frontiers, um, discussing the announcement from the cabinet that they've agreed to amend the federal constitution to enable automatic Malaysian citizenship to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers. Uh, This amendment is expected to be tabled in the current parliamentary sitting. So fingers crossed. Uh, Let us know what you think and keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, the business station. It is 6.39 and you're listening to the Evening Edition, or rather Insight Story, which is part of the Evening Edition, but this is Insight Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're talking today about, of course, the big news that was announced kind of very late on Friday into the weekend, which is the cabinet having agreed to amend the federal constitution to enable automatic Malaysian citizenship to be conferred to children born overseas uh, to Malaysian mothers. This was a right that was previously only provided to Malaysian fathers, which is something that has been uh, talked about, that's been in the courts, that's gone back and forth for some time. So with any luck... 
This amendment is going to be tabled in this current sitting of the Day One Rakyat after fulfilling legal requirements and we may see that amendment within a matter of um, a month. So we're asking you, how are you feeling about this? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Now earlier, we heard from Suri Kemper, who's the president of Family Frontiers, but we also reached out to a mother... Um, who was affected by the legislation as it currently stands, which meant that she could not confer citizenship to her child born overseas. Here is Dr. Alison Wee. Hi, my name is Alison. I'm one of the impacted mothers. When my husband and I were pregnant with our daughter in 2015, we were both holding research and teaching positions in China. At that time, we planned to deliver our daughter in Malaysia so that we would be close to family and also so that she would uh, be guaranteed a Malaysian citizenship. Unfortunately, our daughter was born prematurely uh, days before I was about to board a flight back to Malaysia. So uh, I had to go through uh, an emergency cesarean and she was born at 33 weeks. Now, after her birth, we applied for her Malaysian citizenship at the Consulate General of Malaysia in China, but we haven't received any news from that application since then. Every time we checked for updates with um, the National Registry of Malaysia, um, we have been told that the application is still in process. So during the pandemic, when it broke out in China, my family and I, we moved back to Malaysia and settled down back here. However, we've been met with a lot of difficulties, including visa issues, um, healthcare issues, and also education issues for our daughter. Now, our, our daughter is now turning seven, and she would be entering primary school in Malaysia. And because she is not a citizen, she would be missing out for, um, for about one month of schooling. And this really disheartened us. It's a very big transition from kindergarten to primary school. And we were hoping that she could go through the transition like other kids, going to the first day of school, going through the orientation, but because she is not a citizen, citizen um, she is yet to be assigned a school by the Ministry of Education. So all the bureaucracy have um, caused us a lot of difficulties in, uh, in our stay here in Malaysia. When we received the news that the cabinet supports the constitutional change that would eventually grant our daughter uh, the Malaysian citizenship. Of course, we were overjoyed. Um, our friends and extended family kept forwarding us the news through WhatsApp and uh, they were congratulating us. Everybody was so happy. Um, but of course, we wanted to keep our optimism checked in the sense that we, we have been facing this bureaucracy for uh, six long years, right? And the the Cabinet support is the very first step for the, 
the constitutional change, we realized that there would still be you know, uh, parliamentary hearings and the, the conference of rulers would have to support this as well. And we really pray hard that everything will go through smoothly. Finally, we feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That was Dr. Alison Wee uh, sharing her perspective as a mother who gave birth abroad um, and was therefore unable to confer automatic Malaysian citizenship to her daughter, uh, something that soon, hopefully, uh, as it's passed and tabled and so on, she will be able to do. Honestly, listening to Dr. Allison's experience makes me, firstly, I think a huge amount of admiration for the fact that they're so, they've persevered so hard, mm. but also angry that they've had to do it at all because this child's entire life has been plagued by this uncertainty um, from the moment that she's been born till starting primary school and still not sure whether, um, well, at least hopefully now we'll be sure, but this shouldn't be the case. And and I think that uh, it's it's so long overdue that we weren't even talking about these issues anymore. So we've been asking you, how, um, how are you feeling about the fact that finally the cabinet has agreed to amend the constitution to allow... Malaysian mothers giving birth to their children overseas to confer automatic Malaysian citizenship to their children. And uh, we have a number of messages on this, but I thought we could start with France, who says, My two cousin sisters were affected by this, but I'm unsure if they care, as they are living in first world countries with their children for many years now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, of course, there are many for whom this is probably not as big an issue. Um, but I don't think that that necessarily discounts the fact that for others, it is a huge deal. Um, and it comes down to choices, right? And actually, to me, I was thinking about this as, as Suri Kemper was speaking earlier. There shouldn't need to be any more justification other than the fact that if a father has the right, then the mother should too. It's, uh, it's a couple of things for me. So on the one hand, firstly, the, the biggest thing that I was thinking of is that if you have a choice um, and this is the choice you made, then that's, that's fine. And, uh, you know, all respect to, to however it is that you found a way to manage your lives and the lives of your children in the best or most easy way possible. Uh, but... As we heard from our guest earlier, there are women who don't have this choice, um, who find themselves stuck in bad relationships, abusive situations, um, but don't want, can't leave um, because they because they don't want to necessarily be in a space where they won't be able to provide for their children in a way that they could if those children had citizenship. So I feel like this is a statement that that cuts both ways, right? In in that it's all about choice and what you are able to do, depending on your financial circumstances, your personal circumstances. And the other thing, I guess, is that symbolic victory, right? Because hopefully, even if your two cousin sisters are, are perfectly happy living abroad and have great lives, and that's wonderful, uh, they will still feel like the country that they were from now appreciates them as equal citizens. The symbolic victory is actually such a big deal because it is really a signal that we are not differentiating um, whether you are a male parent or a female parent, that you should hold different rights over your child um, and different rights as Malaysians. So let us know, how are you feeling about the fact that uh, the federal constitution, or the cabinet at least, has agreed to amend the constitution to allow 
automatic Malaysian citizenship to be conferred to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers. Again, you can call 7733-2900. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bulldozing fine measures. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.48 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about an announcement that uh, came through kind of early um, or rather late on Friday night um, in which the cabinet agreed to amend the federal constitution to allow automatic Malaysian citizenship to children born overseas to Malaysian mothers uh, as part of a long, kind of long fought for victory, um, although we are not yet at the finish line. And we've been asking you, how are you feeling about this decision? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, let's start with a voice note on this side of things. This is Daniel. I, I think that very rarely you know, people do silly things like this, like, like not allowing uh, citizenship to pass through the mother uh, for purely evil reasons. So I think there has always been a political element to it. Uh, in my opinion, if your father is from another country, uh, you may be more exposed because of this old-fashioned belief that the parents will fo- uh, the children will follow in the footsteps of the father in terms of belief and all of that. So you will not be uh, what a typical good Malaysian voter will vote for. Uh in the past, which has always been for uh, the same uh, values, the same type of party, uh, things like that. So I think the fact that this is happening is showing that the Malaysian government is getting less insecure. The Malaysian government, I mean, whoever is the political party in power, I'm hoping that this marks a new uh, era of uh, less insecure government. And I take the small wins. I, I, I'm happy that this has happened. I don't want to, I choose not to be uh, uh, very uh, cynical about it and say it's uh, uh, too little, too late or whatever. I, I, I'm happy about this. And I hope this ushers in a new era of uh, a government that is not so insecure. I, I hope, I hope and pray. Daniel, thanks so much for sending that through. Um, a lot to unpack there, particularly, okay, so it's two things, right? One quick one is to acknowledge that you're right. Um, I love the, your use of the word silly uh, for this idea of how citizenship could not be conferred through Malaysian mothers, because that's what it is, right? It's silly. It makes no sense. If a person bears their child, if they're a Malaysian citizen, it, it's never really kind of been able to be comprehended. And this was something that I alluded to earlier as well, which was that to your second point about politics, um, if you look at the way the, the conversation has been politicised and some of what our politicians have said about it, it becomes clear that this is a an issue that that was needlessly politicised um, and that I think had a lot of dog whistles surrounding it as well. Absolutely. I also think that this is a case in which we can really see how um, sexist beliefs or misogyny can get passed on in this sort of weird way, right? Because clearly the the law itself was crafted at a time when this idea of citizenship was very couched in patriarchal terms. But then the will to change it is not strong, 
because so many of our lawmakers don't consider this sort of equality a priority. Um, and so we see that kind of sexism being passed on, even though actually, as Daniel said, I don't think there is a sort of evil notion at the heart of much of this. I just think that for a lot of people, it's not a priority to think about mothers. Which, again, is kind of a damning damning mm. indictment. Uh, Mizi says, Kudos to the new government. At least one wall of discrimination has been knocked down. Really long overdue. Still many other discrimination to be tackled, but we should tread carefully because there are people who are selfish and unwilling to share. And sadly, they think that only their rights are important and others are not. Well, Mizi, you know, we see those conversations coming up in many, many sorts of push for reform, right? Whether we talk about migrant rights or um, gender rights, there's always a pushback because people think more for others means less for me. It's citizenship. Um, okay, whatever. The point is, it's good news. I'm not as I'm going to follow Daniel's good example and say, let's not be cynical. Let's hope that things turn some out days well. We can, yes, some days we can cautiously celebrate. Yes. So, again, we want to hear from you. How are you feeling about the decision that was announced uh, on Friday night? That the Cabinet has agreed to amend the Constitution, allowing automatic Malaysian citizenship to children born overseas to be conferred through Malaysian mothers, which was previously only a right that Malaysian fathers had. So if you want to weigh in, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. That number to send a voice note to, 018-789-8899, is the same number to send a WhatsApp. You can, of course, also tweet us at BFM Radio and BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.